And today's guest is Bhavan Kochar, who's the AVP sales assistant Fido. A lot of you are aspiring account executives, and then there are those who have stepped into this role for the first time. I'm sure you'd agree AE roles comes with a lot of responsibility since they are responsible to bring money to the table. Bhavan breaks down today what it takes and how you can smash your quota as an AE in the first year. Please welcome Bhavan Kochar. A sales engagement automation system is critical for any sales organization to achieve excellence. But it is a complex, tedious and expensive process for any sales organization. Sometimes it can end in a failure too and you have to start all over again. To fix this problem, Playbook.ai has introduced a program for SaaS and enterprise technology startups called the Sales Excellence Program. It is the most effective, fastest and the risk deploy a sales engagement automation system in your organization to drive growth and achieve revenue excellence. Now, none of the top rated sales engagement platforms will give you a free trial. But in the Sales Excellence Program, Playbook AI Customer Success Team not only gives you the free and unlimited access to all the features for six weeks, but also does the heavy lifting of implementing a sales engagement system and provides you advice on what best practices should you follow when creating your sales playbook. Never heard of before, right? There's an application process to get an invitation to join the program, but if you are a subscriber of Sales Spin, which I'm guessing you are, you can get access immediately, provided you have at least four SDRs in your company. To join the program, first subscribe to my channel <laughs> and visit playbook.ai backslash SCP. The link will be in the description box and simply type in R followed by my last name, W-A-D-H-W-A, when the request invitation formats for the name of Accelerator. Hi, Bhavan. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hey, Rahul. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Happy to see you, uh, finally, you know. Uh, your team is famous, by the way. I'm not sure you know that. Your team, is, every you. your team is everywhere on LinkedIn, like they're famous. All of you. I try to do our best. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd want to be much more on LinkedIn, maybe at least 50% of what you are. But, uh, but yeah, some of them are really active. I'll tell you the secrets, man. I actually yeah. already revealed the secrets. It's not me. <laughs> Got it. Got it. It's yeah. a lot of planning. I mean, a lot of the, the guys in the team love LinkedIn. I think they see the value in what social selling does. And I think mm -hmm. yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I, I am sure uh, we, we talked about this. I heard about you from Deepak, Deepak Lamba. I'm sure you guys work together. So he praises yeah. you to the skies whenever he can. And he said, you know what, you should get Bhavan on the show. I said, okay, I will get it. I mean, he's already on my list. It's just that. I think I, I actually already knew that you kind of work, uh, you know, Indian hours and I'm not, I was not sure that I was be, I would be able to accommodate you during this time. But since I'm in training right now, I think I can. <laughs> Always good. I'm glad we're doing it this time. I know 11 p.m. Yeah, I know. I know. You must be at the peak of your energy while some of us are just waking up. <laughs> Absolutely. Alrighty. Okay. So Bhavan, thank you. I, I thank you once again uh, for doing this. So today, what we, um, what I, you know, I actually take a lot of feedback from SDRs, aspiring SDRs, people who are in the SDR role for some time. And one of the things which came up is, hey, I've decided that I want to get into an AE role. Some of them have already taken that leap and maybe maybe joined a different company, and they're in the first year. Some of them do not get the fair training. Some of them do not even know what's expected of them. Some of them don't know how to succeed. So. Since you have been into closing role for some time, in fact, a lot of time uh, for a very long time, if you could break us down, how can somebody succeed in their first 
first year of uh, you know as an A, that'll be great. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm so glad uh, when we discuss that this is something that comes up so often, and people ask you this question. I'm super excited about it, uh, simply because it's very personal. Uh, I remember being in SDR exactly a decade ago, um, and moving into an A role, and all the challenges that come with that. Uh, and I'm so glad we're talking about it because quite a few points when I sat down to, to pen pen down on a paper on what all should I talk about, mm-hmm. I think that never gets spoken about. They never get spoken about when someone's preparing to get promoted. They hardly ever get spoken about during trainings, and they definitely never get spoken about once you become an A. So I'm going to try and touch on some very, uh, I'd say, controversial points. Uh, some points that people will agree with, uh, but maybe have never thought about it. Um, and then, of course, if you have any questions, whatever feedback you want, I'd be happy to answer. I will. I certainly have a lot of questions. So let's get started. Perfect. We'll start with, I think, uh, when we were talking yesterday, um, I felt that there's a, when you move from an SDR or you're getting ready to move from an SDR to an A, it's not just a skill challenge, uh, it's also a mindset also that you've got to evolve. In most cases, when you're getting promoted from an SDR to an A, you've been doing really well for the last two or three quarters as an SDR. In most cases, you're in the top 10% of the SDRs because you are getting good. As soon as you move to an A, you're a first time in. So suddenly, from being the best at what you do, you're the worst at what you're doing. <laughs> and that sometimes is very hard for people to, to digest because no one's conditioned them to be prepared that you're going to be the worst. And you're going to be at the bottom, so yeah. Absolutely. I always give the SDRs and my team this example. Imagine you are right now, if you play sports, you're in an age group cricket right now, you're playing, let's say, under-19s, and you're not going to take the step up and play international cricket. You might be the best under-19 player, but you're not going to be the best international player on day one. It's going to take time, right? So you give yourself time. And I always feel that people don't have that much patience. I see so many people, even when we interview them, we notice people got promoted and six months later, they're looking out. It's just that patience. Bit. The mindset has to be that I did not become a successful SDR on day one. Maybe some people do become that. Mm-hmm. But becoming a successful AE doesn't happen. It's, it's as much of a mental preparedness as much as it is a skill preparedness and that is something I think people need to be conditioned a lot more and I put that responsibility on SDR managers more than AE managers and that's the reality. I always talk to Akhilan when I'm talking to him about this is when you have people moving and we have two people moving this quarter from an SDR to either an A or an AMU, mm-hmm. it's on the SDR manager to continuously tell them that hey I am losing you which is not great because I'm losing my best assets and they're going to a different team. But now when you go there, you're not no longer the best asset of that. You're more of a liability for your first two or three quarters on them because someone has to train you. So be prepared for that. And if once you're prepared for that, I think the journey becomes much more easier. You give yourself more time. And, and I think that is the crux of succeeding in the first one year, of not thinking of succeeding in the first quarter, but looking at it at a at a at a long run. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. The SDR I sometimes feel is a sprint. You're running a 200 meter because the fast you want to be very fast to become the, take the next row. But when you take an AE, you have time. It could be two years, three years. You might be selling the same. So it's a marathon when you become an AE. No, no, I totally agree with that. I think you're right. Uh, I think I can I can feel that because I've had SDRs who moved to AE and they were of course the best ones. So I can feel the pain. 
But at the same time, you're right. I mean, I don't know if I ever had this conversation with any of my SDRs. Hey, you know what? You're going to be at the bottom now. I'm sure at some level they knew, but if I'm being honest, I never had that chat. So yeah, good, good point. Uh, I feel why, uh, even when people know about it, till the time someone doesn't sit down and reassures them that we know they're going to struggle, people don't want to accept that they're going to struggle. I think that's just the small change uh, we want to make. And for SDR managers, I always tell Akhil the same thing. You guys are like Rahul Dravid, who was coaching the India under-19 team, knowing that your best people are going to move to the <laughs> play and you're going to have to do the whole thing all over again. And that, I think, is the is the thankless part of being an SDR manager, that what you guys yeah, are. Yeah, totally. That's the thankless part. Yeah, so I think mindset is the number one thing. Uh, if Once you've conquered mindset, which takes a while, I think that the, then the next step starts, which is the skill change. Right. The biggest difference you will notice, the SDR and AE role is very funny because in most roles when you get promoted, you do something which is very similar to what you were doing earlier, just on a higher scale. Whereas, even though the progression and the promotion is very natural of going to, from an SDR to an AE, but it's not because what you do as an AE is very different from what you were doing as an SDR. So you're starting from scratch. So you've got to build new skills now, which sometimes as an SDR, it's okay not to have. And I think those are the, some of the key areas that we want to focus on. Like, especially with, with our year one A's or year two A's, some of the top three or four things that I like to focus on them with is that it is never about your product. It is never about the features that you are selling. It is Some of the most successful account executives do the best discoveries. And people underrate discoveries so much for some reason, especially when they have an SDR they're working with. They assume all the information the SDR has given to them is, is that's it. And my job is to just to go out there and do a demo and sell. It's not. The SDR has just scratched the surface and created enough interest for that person to come on the next call. That's truly what an SDR's job is. To create enough impulse to get that person on the next call by giving a little bit. And many times when you are in discovery, especially new reps, what they try to do is because they've just learned all this new thing about how to present, the moment a prospect talks about a pain point and they know they can solve for it, they jump straight into solving that pain. Whereas that's not the idea of doing discovery. If I were a new rep, I want to take 15 minutes just to do discovery and not pitch my product at all. I want to understand what is the pain that is facing. Everyone talks about understanding the pain of the prospect. But truly speaking, in today's day and age, it's not about pain. It's about how can they alleviate the current process that they have. Like that, we sell employee engagement uh, platforms. 99% companies in the world do service. They do employee service. Mm-hmm. What pain are we solving? They're just trying to make it better than what they have right now. So understanding what aspects of the current process they want to make better and why is the most important thing. I always tell the, the A's especially, more than the SDRs, you need to have answers to at least four or five key questions on why, what, and when. And when you have those answers, I think you, you, you are in control of the team. Understanding why they came to you, understanding why now, understanding why they waited till now to come to us or someone else, understanding what happens if they don't do it now, and then most importantly, understanding what the process is. The, the difference between a season A, uh, which enterprise A's and all these uh, people who handle 100K, a billion dollar accounts, and someone who's starting out is that people, when you're new, you believe everyone you speak with is a decision maker. <laughs> but everyone you speak with is an influencer. 
there is a season people start to understand who is in my decision maker and who isn't a isn't a person who will influence who's just come to see what we are i see so many of our accounts now even our our uh, younger age people who are first year second year age they will have a pipeline which will have buyer circles and have four or five people who are called as decision makers in the buyer circle what people need to understand is there's always only one decision the person who has the veto power and we will touch upon it in the next point when we talk about it. but to be successful as an account executive more than knowing your product and because you brought up deepak i'll i'll talk about it deepak and i sold for 3 years and i still did not know anything technical about the product we sold for 3 years and we sold millions of dollars and that's the reality i still feel i am the worst person in my team who knows our platform and who knows our dashboard but that doesn't stop me from selling because i i i never believe that the focus has to be on how well you are able to produce a report the focus has to be on what value you will bring to them and what happens if they don't buy it. I totally agree with that. I mean, I, this is the same example I was giving my team the other day. I said, I don't know how electricity works, but can I sell it? Yes. <laughs> I personally have sold electricity, so <laughs> so yeah, see, that's true. <laughs> I did sell electricity. So yeah, I mean, because you brought it up, that's that. It's very interesting, and it happens on the SDR level, and I'm sure you'll resonate with this. Mm-hmm. When you get a lead uh, and you're talking to them, or you're making an outbound, you you find it so hard to believe that people don't find value in your product. you know like, how is it possible and you start to to push yourself even further to understand why it's okay like when you walk into a shop you don't go into the shop looking to buy everything but those people created everything for someone or the other to buy so it's okay for not everyone to accept what you're selling and for for everyone to not have the pain problems that maybe you are you want to solve and that is that is a very fine balance and as we go to later in the call something i i really want to talk about and these days i'm focusing a lot on is not getting emotionally attached to pipelines uh, i don't want to talk about it now because i have a lot of points on on there because that is one area which i think a lot of people struggle i would say 8 out of 10 people even successful ones struggle with maintaining a proper pipeline and we will focus on the next thing i want to talk about and this is one of my controversial points and i think a lot of managers will not be happy is when someone's transitioning into an ao or when someone's training starts 9 out of 10 sales orgs focus on helping the person deliver the perfect demo but sales is so much more than delivering a perfect demo and we've been guilty of it when i've had people moving into the role and i've done it multiple times four weeks we've just focused on teaching them how to demo go on a demo call learn how we are pitching you do a mock demo to us but what happens after that is even more critical how do they go out and handle objections now with more and more interviews that we are doing i realize that i would say more than 50% people when they're handling objections they listen to an to, a, to an objection to answer they never take a step back and ask a follow up question to understand that objection much better why did it come up in the first place absolutely why did the prospect think of that objection what is the what is the source of this of this this question coming up all we want to do is hear a question answer hear a question answer but that's not what the prospect expect and we think oh we did an amazing job in handling objections but truly speaking we just gave an answer to a prospect who is going to walk out rather than sitting down and acting like a doctor and i have someone in my team rahul who's recently joined and he gave, he was using this analogy yesterday and he said that no one says no to a doctor when they ask questions on diagnosis so why should a prospect say no 
But what we try to do is try to give answers. We think if I answer the best, I have done the perfect demo. Not realizing it's not about prospects, not looking for the answer. Maybe later on they are. They're looking to see, do you have the time of the day to sit down and understand what I'm going through? Understand what we are struggling with? And do you truly have a solution? Which many people don't actually focus on. The next part comes once you... I don't think anyone ever aces how to do a demo. You just get better at it over time. And I always tell people, especially if you're just getting if you're just getting promoted, give yourself 10 demos. You are going to screw up. Be prepared for that. But the most important thing is you don't make the same mistake over and over. Luckily, we are in an age where we have the likes of Gong and Chorus and all of these to go back and listen to our calls. In our age, when we started, I didn't have anything like that. I had to take notes while I was doing a demo or have someone else shadow me to tell me what I was doing right away. Now we have all of those to self-analyze. Take out time, block two hours a week where you're going to sit down and focus on the discovery. Pick up your last 10 demos and listen to the first 15 minutes of each call and see what you think you did well and what you think you could do better. Next week, maybe focus on your actual, actual demo. Take out two hours, take out six, seven or eight demos and focus on them. So break it down and get better on smaller things rather than trying to give the perfect demo. There is nothing like a perfect demo. Yes, there are some calls when you walk out, you feel, wow, I did an amazing job and I killed it. But does the prospect feel the same? You don't know. <laughs> you, you're, you're gratifying yourself thinking, oh, I did a great job. But does the prospect feel the same? That only happens when the prospect truly walks out of the call thinking they understand what they're going through and we think they might have a solution for us. No one's ever sold on your product. I've, in 10 years of selling, I've never sold to someone who came on the first demo and said, I want to buy and I will buy tomorrow. <laughs> the moment that happens, you should know that deal is not happening because that person is an impulse buyer. There is going to be someone in their team or in their org who's going to be much more smart and strategic, who's going to tell them, hey, hold your horses. Let us look at other options. Let us reevaluate them before we take the decision. Yeah, I know, I know. And as an SDR, I remember in my first role, yeah. I, I got a, I, I had a prospect who actually literally bought, you know, on the day one. And I was so happy because I got the credit for that opportunity. And second day, he just turned. He said, it's not for me. It's an impulse buy. Um, yeah. You're a really good salesperson if you were able to convince them on the first call. <laughs> but they are not a great, great buyer because they, they bought on impulse. So even when some, something's going really well, and I always, uh, that's the next thing I'm going to talk about in the bias circle about taking uh, in Murphy's Law. Something Tanmay always talks about Murphy's Law, so I, now it's come in my lingo as well. But while talking about the whole sales process, I think when, you, when you're transitioning or when you're in your first A role, what you need to understand is you need a lot of patience. As an SDR, from the moment you get an NQL or you're doing outbound, till the time you hand it over to an A, Typically, the journey is anywhere from one day to 14 days. So the gratification is much faster because you've handed over, you've done your job. Most likely, the demo has happened. It's been accepted as an opportunity and you've moved on to the next one. But as an account executive, the deals could take anywhere from, depending on your sales cycle, anywhere from four weeks to 100 days. So, it, so persistence and patience is super critical as an A, which sometimes we start lacking when we're moving from an SDR role to an A. And those are smaller things that, that come over time. And this is why it's super important as a new A to find a mentor. Your mentor, I believe you, you need to have two kinds of mentors. One who guide you in your career and one who is maybe one step ahead of where you are. Someone who's experienced what you're experiencing in the last 12 months. 
because they can truly help you get better at what you are doing day to day whereas a real mentor a career mentor can actually help you through your journey of what you want to do next and help you see what sometimes you miss out so i believe you should have those two people i would typically say your day to day mentor should be someone within your team because they've done exactly what you're doing right we try to pair up people very similar like if someone comes from a certain background we'll have their buddy or mentor as someone who's just gone through that phase so at least they can share their experiences they can tell I them you have a follow up question on that yeah, one Uh I think the rest of the stuff that you said I think that's that's great and I think self exploratory but I think this is where I think a lot of people I'm not sure how exactly would they go about so if you can maybe talk about so your one of the question which I wanted to ask you already answered which is how do they go about finding it you said there has to be someone within the company who is one step ahead or maybe two steps ahead I'm thinking about a few scenarios okay in my head. Okay. So let's say I'm an SDR senior SDR I've been doing this for some much some some time. Yeah. Now I join a company where I'm the first A who do i look up to in the company because everything is kind of and you while you're giving great tips i'm sure they're going to help them but they cannot find a mentor within the company how the how do they go about you know getting success there are, there are two things i'd be very careful of doing what you just suggested which is being an sdr because the lesser the variables the more successful you're going to be because when you go to a new company which where you are the first a hmm. number one you have never sold yourself number two okay. most likely the company has never sold themselves because they don't have an a number 3 there is no process there is a very high chance you're entering into a new market a new industry type which you have no knowledge about so essentially you are setting yourself up for failure for a simple reason that there are so many variables i i suggest unless you're a seasoned person in a specific role reducing your variables is your highest chance to succeed fair point you can any you look at anything look at uh, art look at sports if i put someone who's been doing well on on clay court right and ask them to win the us open the odds are very low whereas if someone's always played in europe the chances are higher why does rafael nadal will so much in front french open because he's an expert at right he's great but he's an expert at so i'd rather when i move into a new role i would rather focus on reducing my variables though the temptation might be that the offer is great i'm going to be able to reset something up nine out of 10 such people leave in the first one year and the one reason i always hear is expectation mismatch it is not an expectation mismatch it is you being greedy of taking the role which was about 2 or 3 years ahead of your time i see so many people who've always worked as individual contributors going out and taking a director level role in a new market now one you've never managed a team second you've never opened up a new region third you'd have no idea about the product and then 6 months later when the company expects results you are saying it's an expectation it's not it's not you had the wrong expectation of the role you had the wrong expectation of itself but in case you you've gone through what you just described where you have taken a, a role of a first a and you were always an sdr who do you look up to i look up to two kind of people one i would go to linkedin look at my network and see has someone started sales from scratch irrespective of their experience at least i can sit down with them and understand what were the challenges they faced in the first 6 months so i don't repeat those challenges that's number one number two what i'll do is i will look back in my last org and look at the most successful account executive and ask him or her for tips on what what made them better than the rest because they were surely doing something every sales org has that one person who you can close your eyes and say he or she is the best i've never seen a sales org where people have turned around and said i have three best people never happened there's always one best the rest are 2 3 and 
Correct. I would go to that number one person and find out what are those extra one, because it's always the the one or two things that that person is doing that is making him or her more successful than the the rest of the folks. And I want to learn from either one of those two people because they are the people who can either teach me how to sell because I don't know how to sell or teach me what are some of the challenges I'm going to face in the first four quarters. Another important thing, if you are taking up that role, most likely you're going to be working with the founder or the CEO because there is no sales team. You got to ask your CEO one straight question on day one. If you and I were sitting here six months from now, when would you tell me I succeeded? What all do I have to know to do to succeed in your eyes? This is very important because I speak to a lot of friends who are working directly with the CEOs. I do too. If your definition of success for yourself doesn't match with the definition of the CEO for success for you, you have a problem. So it's very important very early on to have that straight up chat of how do you see success for me? So I think that's a good point because anyways, you are getting into a role where you'll be responsible to ask hard questions. Better yeah. start right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you don't want in six months time, you'll see you coming to you and say, it's not working out because it's great. You thought you were kicking ass. You were working 20 hours. Like every time I talk to such people, they have given their life to this role. I'm sure you've done it too, where you spend 18, 20 hours as a, like, as just be a you. But at the end of six months, you just feel, was it worth it? It might have been worth it if you spend the, 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 that time in the right areas. So that's my small tip. Have the right chat, have the right conversations. You will, you will struggle. It's the reality. And don't be scared of, of failing as an A, because you will. It's the, it's the truth. Even the best A's have bad quarters, have bad years, but it doesn't make them a bad salesperson. It's just a phase they're going through. And everyone's got to accept it. So that's, that's just a small mindset thing. Uh, if you don't have a follow-up question, I wanted to close that point. On. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. And then the last thing I want to talk about, in fact, two, la- two more things I want to talk about is follow-ups. Uh, I'm sure Raul, you've seen it. When you talk to sales leaders, they will tell you. Uh, my Our pipeline is 4X or 5X, but more than 50% or 70% of deals are on a very early stage. It's just because people are not following. You, the natural tendency, human tendency is to work on deals which will close the fastest, where I have to put the least effort. Right? So where the demo goes great, people are responding to us, we follow up. But that only takes you to about 80 to 100% of your time. The people who consistently do 150 to 200% target are people who always have much more conversations happening than the average person. I have Aru in our team. She has been picking ass for about 18 months now. Never missed a target. She does 200k as a joke. Um, so the difference between her and the rest of the team is Aru has 70% of her pipeline in active conversation. The rest have 20 to 30% of the pipeline in active conversation. And that's the only difference. In fact, I was reflecting back and one of our mentors asked us that what does she do different from the rest of the team? I said, she doesn't do the best demo. She doesn't do the best discovery. She doesn't do, she's not, a, she's not the best at anything, but she's great at everything, yeah. which is the most important part that she's great at everything. So follow-ups are so undervalued, whereas you should be blocking at least three to four hours a week on your calendar and doing follow-ups. Because you're just sitting on pipeline that either could be with marketing to nurture, it could be with another AE to work on, definitely not with you if you're not working. So, so I think that's most important. And then the third thing is negotiation. I've done, I don't know, you know countless sessions on negotiation, especially with the new folks. So I, every time I run a survey within the team of what you want to, what is a new skill you want to learn, the number one voted is always negotiation. 
However, I can teach negotiation for five years, and you still will feel that you haven't done justice to a deal. And I, I go through that. Like I was on a call two weeks ago. After closing the price, I was talking to Shitraj, one of our agents. I was like, "Man, I screwed up. I, we could have done a better. We could have got much more out of it." So even I miss make mistakes. But three golden rules of negotiation, and I'll, I'll just touch on them. Sure. Number one: never ever commit on a call on a price. Just never. You're in the heat of a conversation. You don't want to commit on a call. Always take time. Tell them I'll come back to you in one hour, two hours, one day. Think about it. Yeah. Actually, you want to you want to end the call. You want to rethink whatever you you committed on the call or whatever you said. You want to go to someone else and take an unbiased view, especially if the deal is big. Or what do they think about the offer? Because they might give you or suggest something that you didn't think of because you're emotionally attached to that negotiation. Right. So never ever commit on the call. That's number one. Number two, know who you're negotiating. This is the biggest pitfall new A's fall into. That they start negotiating with their spouse, they start negotiating with the business folks rather than negotiating with the right teams. What ends up happening is first they negotiate with. In our case, let's say we negotiate with the HR leader or the CHRM, and once they have negotiated a price, they hand it over to a commercial team or a procurement team who now want an even better deal. The the easy the easy part is to do that. The harder part is to say no to your spouse and say hey. I don't think that is a conversation you and I need to have. For me, what's most important for you is to give me a sign off that you like the platform and let the right team or the commercial team or the or the procurement team handle that part of the conversation. Sometimes we end up negotiating with the wrong people and we get stuck. That's most important to me. And third thing is always reiterate during negotiation on why they're looking to buy. The the value that your product offers is unparalleled in terms of when you're offering a price. and something i was taught very very early when i was becoming an ai that if your product if the prospect sees value in your product even $100,000 is not a big amount if they don't see value even $100 is a big amount for them and sometimes we feel just dropping the price is is is, is that's all it takes but it doesn't take that and you've seen deals right where we have negotiated to the extent we could but we still lose them right Absolutely, we've lost too many on that. We sell in India, so you can imagine how important price. <laughs> we have we have multiple people coming on calls to try their hand at negotiating with us. We've lost plenty of deals on price. However, that doesn't make that that doesn't reduce the value of a product. At the same time, I would say eight out of ten deals in the last two months that we've closed, we've closed at at least a thirty percent premium than our nearest competitor because the prospects saw the value that we were. And that is something we need to. That is why I said you need to reiterate the value of your product repeatedly in a negotiation call. Sometimes we make the negotiation call only about pricing. We feel that the person doesn't understand the value, but you got to reiterate, and that's most important in the negotiation. So let's say again, uh, I'm, this is my first year of an AE. You talk talk to me about all these steps or all these points which I have to keep in mind. So. What strikes what strikes me most right now is the negotiation. I understand that's like a that's like an important parameter. That's like an important factor for me to, you know, become a successful one. Because unless I I, I can't negotiate and you know bring it to the table, I, I mean it's it's worth nothing, right? And uh, like you said, you have been doing this five years, still not perfect. Someone who is doing this for the first time, how do they go about learning it? It's a great question. I was, I was uh, I'm glad you brought it up because I missed it. So. even in our team people do that and i think this is a lesson for everyone no longer can negotiation be reliant on closing the deal by x date people know that's not true 
we've we've gone we are probably 10 years away we move forward where people know that if you offered them an xprize today with a condition that they have to close by friday even if they come back a month later you will offer that because you need that deal in your yeah. just not doing that what's most important is building that personal bond and that was going to be my next part i was going to my personal goal and yesterday when i asked the team hey this is the topic i'm talking about what are the top five things you would want me to cover that i stand for the first point i got was that i know to keep a balance between personal and professional like when i go on a call my one goal is to know one thing personal about my prospect that is outside of work do they have a dog what dog do they have because i have a beagle how do you do that i ask them like we start talking i i actually stalk them like i would go on linkedin i would see what interests they have what hobbies they have and that starts a conversation i never go on linkedin to look at what companies they work for because mostly the ai has already done that i look for other clues i go on facebook i go on instagram if, they, if that's accessible and i find things about i do the same thing with my with candidates as well when i'm interviewing i want to talk about something which is closer to them because that tells me how passionate they are about that it could be a dog it could be their kids i remember starting a negotiation call talking to one of our prospects about her son's 10th board exams in a 30 minute call 15 minutes we were just talking about that, that happened last year in the pandemic 8 minutes of negotiation and we got exactly what we wanted because she came on our side so nice. so finding that thing because rather than saying hey i have been able to extend the offer for another week if you close <laughs> say hey i've i've gone out of my way to get this done my neck is on the line can you help me get this done so so rata asked for help prospects are human right if you tell them that you're you're a little bit in the, in the shit if because of what they uh, of this deal we people you will be surprised how much people will go uh, to what distance to help you out be honest be human i always tell my prospects and i'll give you this one example and i think most people will love this I, we have one of our guys andraj andraj is one of our most senior account executives been here longer than me as well and last year he wanted to buy a car he, he bought a top edition honda city from just his commission the the day he bought the car he took a picture of himself like i took his picture and he sent it to five of his prospects deals which were in, in his pipeline we closed three of those deals in the next 15 days the only message he sent out was hey this is what i bought and i just wanted to share the news with you there was no sales agenda he just made the prospect a part of his life and that's it that's all he did he did not try to tell them hey i bought this car is are we having a decision nothing just that one line message that's it i bought a car i wanted to share the news with you and that's it he got congratulatory messages from everyone but we ended up closing two or three of those deals in the next 15 minutes so that, is, that is a good story that, that's very interesting just fine so my my only two cents on negotiation when you're starting up is find a personal connect and negotiate with the prospect thinking they are human and they know that you are human and that's it over time you will get better there are going to be deals that you will lose on negotiation there are going to be deals where you will end up giving lower price than you initially wanted to and that's just the reality everyone's done it if someone's ever told you that i've won every single negotiation they're lying they're absolutely lying they have you just can't do it you cannot do it there is a better negotiator than you somewhere out there and it's the truth so accept it on the first day i just say make it personal and that's it. and never commit on the call go back and talk to someone and then come back those are the only two takeaways i'll give you in your first day. yeah that is that is good that's really good i think i'd like to talk more about the negotiation but since we are kind of short on time maybe we'll schedule another session so Absolutely. this was this was all great uh, really great bhavan
And for anyone who's actually uh, watching in the US, his name is pronounced as Bhavan. If I'm if I'm correct, I'm actually taking the reference from Bhavan. <laughs> All right. Um, get my name. Sorry. The, the the Americans get my name accurate much more than Indians do. So, so I'm hoping your your. So, your, are you saying Americans are able to pronounce it Bhavan? Bhavan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. put the H is silent and they're able to get it right. Okay. Okay. Bhavan. Okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah, that makes things easy. Cool. All right. Um, so, Bhavan, we are approaching the last leg of the show, which is the rapid fire, where I ask you five interesting questions. Nothing personal, nothing to worry about. But yeah, this is going to be interesting. All right. A sales engagement automation system is critical for any sales organization to achieve excellence. But it is a complex, tedious and expensive process for any sales organization. Sometimes it can end in a failure too, and you have to start all over again. To fix this problem, Playbook.ai has introduced a program for SaaS and enterprise technology startups called the Sales Excellence Program. It is the most effective, fastest, and the risk to deploy a sales engagement automation system in your organization to drive growth and achieve revenue excellence. Now, none of the top-rated sales engagement platforms will give you a free trial. But in the Sales Excellence Program, Playbook AI customer success team not only gives you the free and unlimited access to all the features for six weeks, but also does the heavy lifting of implementing a sales engagement system and provides you advice on what best practices should you follow when creating your sales playbook. Never heard of before, right? There's an application process to get an invitation to join the program, but if you are a subscriber of Sales Spin, which I'm guessing you are, you can get access immediately provided you have at least four SDRs in your company. To join the program, First, subscribe to my channel <laughs> and visit playbook.ai backslash SCP. The link will be in the description box and simply type in R followed by my last name, W-A-D-H-W-A, when the request invitation form asks for the name of Accelerator. All right. If I am applying for your team, one key quality, which is a deal breaker for you, which you're really, really looking for in every candidate. Curiosity. I'll, I'll give two because both of them are important. Okay. Curiosity and research. All right. One sales leader you admire could be in India, could be anywhere in the world. Um, I would say at Cvent, uh, the the VP of Sales, Brand Ludwig. Really. All right. All right. One sales leader you would want to see in the show, assuming that I can actually I could actually approach him and get. Uh, uh, Naveen Raina at LinkedIn. All righty. I've learned right. a lot. Sat, sat right next to him for a whole year at LinkedIn. Learned a lot. Oh, awesome. I'm definitely going to reach out. One company you would want to work for if you were not working for Infido? Spotify. I don't know why, but that just seems... Uh, I have no reason. I don't, I'm not even into music. But Spotify is one company that I want to work for. Interesting, yeah? One thing you could, you could wish for the world. All of us could go back to our old lives, uh, but in a in a much more uh, controlled manner, and not ruin the world that we were two years ago. Would be my wish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true, true, absolutely. Thanks, thanks, Pawan. Thank you so much again for coming to the show. This was really, really great. I'm pretty sure a lot of people who are watching it, even even I think early stage founders could actually benefit from it because they could actually uh, create that whole framework 
and probably be ready with all these questions. That, you know, the, these are the things which, let's say, a VP sales like you could actually would actually be training them in case he was working for you with them. So, yeah, I think these are all good tips. Thank you so much again. Thanks, Al. Thanks for having me.